welcome to this week's episode of Please Don't Make Me Watch. This week you can expect Guillermo. Terrible American accents. Stoner nuns. And the strangest 911 call ever. Yeah. Yeah. This week, what have you been up to? Anything exciting? Mm, I've been watching The Bake Off. Yes. Obviously, because it's like the best show on television. It really is. And I've been watching The Bake Off and Extra Slice because I really like Tom Allen and Joe Brown. Tom Allen is really funny. I mean, yeah. I first became associated with Tom Allen from Bleak Expectations. Yeah, same. Which, if you haven't listened to Bleak Expectations, I'm sure, we, I think we've talked about it on the podcast yeah, before, but have. it's so funny. It is really good, especially if you like wordplay and like, Silly humour. Um, so yeah, I've been watching that. I didn't think I've been doing anything more exciting than that actually. Oh. But they were both good things. Yeah, I'm actually I think we bake off this series. Obviously there was a lot of things people being like, it's the youngest series ever. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's still an interesting cast. I think it's important with these shows to have like a good cast. Yeah, no, I like all the people on it, but I kind of agree. I do miss having the like mm. old guy who only does it his way and his way yeah. only, and it's like my way or the highway. All the all the kind of or sort of like Nancy characters who yeah. are just sort of they've been baking for fifty years. Yeah, they're just not uh, bothered. Or like the crazy old woman who always like speaks her cakes or like yes, you know, like brings in her own inventions and all of that kind of stuff. Things, oh, my husband made this for me in his shed. Yeah, exactly. Where is that? Nowhere. Everyone's a little bit too... Twee. No, not twee. There's quite a lot of twee this season, though. Oh, I didn't even think it was twee. I felt it was like they've grown up watching it and knowing mm. what looks good on TV and being like, I'm going to make something that looks really good. Yeah. that makes sense. Whereas sometimes... Like, it's it was especially obvious in Bread Week when literally everyone was like, bread's not my thing. Yeah. And it was like... In the original seasons, I feel like some of them, bread was specifically yeah, the thing. I mean, like, they got into baking through bread. And now yeah. everyone has got into it because they like cakes and biscuits because they look cute. And mm. then they're like, well, bread, meh. Which I think I think kind of is a real mistake because generally you do better in bread week. You do better in the show. Yeah, you do. And I mean, I think it was, I think the first episode of series one of Bake Off, the person that goes out first is, he goes, cakes aren't my thing. I do breads and pies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the person actually that ends up then winning series one, they are. I've by actually far... never seen series one. A lot of people haven't. I watched the first episode recently, two. and it was terrible. Well, the thing is, is I think they're being held to a different standard to they're being held to now. Well, it was also like the whole thing was much more educational than it mm. is now. So, like, I loved those VTs where they told you the history of like the Battenberg, whatever. Yeah. But it was like. It was the, it was like honestly like ten minutes of history oh, of Battenberg, yeah. and I was like, I'm not that interested. No. I would actually rather. But watch I, people I will bake. say, I think the, the person that won series one of Bake Off is one of the best Bake Off bakers Bake Off has ever had. Oh really? Because he did not have a bad week at all. But there were only five weeks, to be fair. Yeah, there? but but also the thing is, is like you're doing three things. You expect him to have a bit of a dodgy kind of maybe technical or something, but no. Apart from one thing where basically what happened was his oven turned off halfway through. Pretty funny. And, like, that's something out of his control. That yeah. was the only one that he was a bit like, oh, that went a bit wrong. Oh, I he, see. He wasn't kind of like a sort of Nadia who had this kind of meteoric rise through. Oh, Nadia. Who, I love Nadia to Everyone pieces. I love Nadia. She's wonderful. Or someone who was kind of consistent in the first couple of weeks, then disappeared and then ended up winning it. Yeah. He was he was always there at the front of the pack and then won it in the end. I, I really 
think people have haven't seen series one of Baker because I originally watched it because I love Sue Perkins so much. Oh, is that why you watched That's it? That's why I watched it because I was like, Sue Perkins is on a show. I literally Great. didn't get into it until series five and everyone's always really surprised by that because I'm like the most Bake Off person you can imagine. Yeah. But it just passed me by for a while. Like I knew that everyone loved it, but mm. I just didn't get into it. And then I watched series five because I was at someone's house baking, ironically. Yeah. And then she was like, oh, but Bake Off's on, like, let's watch it. And I was like, okay, I'll see how it is. And then I was like, I'm watching every episode of it. It's amazing. Yeah. But no, I mean, also in terms of other slightly different slash completely different reality television, the cast for Drag Race UK has been announced. Yeah. We are going to do an episode or two on Drag Race UK, but we're yeah. not going to talk about them on the main shows. We're going to do their own dedicated episodes on them. Just in case you, for some reason, don't like Drag Race. Yeah. Don't worry. Yeah. Sorry about that, but <laughs> that's that's kind of British reality TV portion of the show. Yeah, done. <laughs> done for today. Oh, Strictly though, coming back soon. Yes, and speaking of Drag Race, Michelle Visage is on Strictly. Michelle Visage is on Strictly. Yeah, I'm tempted to watch Strictly this year. I never really have before. I used to watch Strictly a lot when I was younger. It was. I remember it was kind of when X Factor started getting big. I was like, no, Strictly is better. Classic, of course you did. I was very into X Factor. I, th I think my mum is now into Strictly and then I'm like I've watched it a couple mm -hmm. times when I've been home and she's watching it and now I'm like it is quite good isn't it's it? really fun it's great yeah good stuff how was your week at Culture Sam? <laughs> it was fine I've actually I've finished series 3 of The Handmaid's Tale and now I want to read the new book that Margaret Atwood's just released The Testaments Testaments which everyone I've that's spoken um, to has read it Good to wait. If they said it was good, they all said it was really good. Okay, so I'm, I'm gonna wait I'm... until it's in paperback. <laughs> yes, me too. Um, and I've also finally finished Orange Is the New Black, the final series of that. I I just can't be asked. I see. I get a lot of that a lot of people, and I completely understand. I think it was just it's for me. I compare it to Game of Thrones. Is I put so much time into it that I wanted to finish it. It's just such long seasons. Yeah. And every episode is so long. It's not like I can quickly polish it off. No. It's like a commitment, and I just don't have time for that in my life yeah. anymore. But in comparison to Game of Thrones, I actually do think, despite having a really rocky middle, Orange is the New Black stuck the landing. Oh, I think the final good. series of Orange is the New Black is genuinely very good. I might just look it up and see how it ends on Wikipedia. To be honest, if you don't care about watching it, that's probably quite a good way of doing it. I do want to know what happens to the characters, but I was so angry at the end of the last season about... And yeah. I know you're supposed to be angry because you're supposed to be like, your criminal justice system in America is shit, but also... Just angered me. Yeah, I think I, I was like, I don't need to watch the this. middle series got a bit, upset. a bit kind of doom and gloom. Whereas I think yeah. there is a bit of an upswing in the final series, oh, which okay. is nice. I say a bit. It's still about prison. It's going to be depressing. Though, still going to be a bit depressing. But on with the show. On with the show. We we'll start with my TV this week. Yes, we and do. We both love the films of Taika Waititi, specifically what we do in the shadows. And so my TV this week is the TV version of what we do in the shadows. What We Do in the Shadows is an American comedy horror TV show based on the 2014 film uh, of the same name created by Jermaine Clements and Taika Waititi. Uh, it was premiered this year, which is 2019, starring Kaya Novak, Matt Berry, Natasha Dimitri, Harvey Julian and Mark Prosh. Um, it basically follows a series of events surrounding four vampires and one of the vampires familiar living in a house in Staten Island, whereas previously it had been set in Wellington in New Zealand. I love the film. I don't think the TV show is as good as the film, but I still found it very enjoyable because it's that kind of, it's still the same sort of humour. And I do think 
there's a lot of good interplay between the cast. What did you think? Uh, yeah, much the same. I love the film and I only saw it for the first time mm. last year at like Halloween because the BBC put it on iPlayer. Yeah. And I was like, this looks okay. I will watch it. And I thought it was hilarious. It's so funny. Um, And this was like, funny but obviously the premise you already know mm. so you don't have that like shock of being yeah. like oh they're vamp it's a mockumentary about vampires but they're like normal yeah you know like it's you don't get like the cross between that. the office and dracula yeah which is great like very very funny but yeah. also obviously like because i knew that that was gonna happen yeah i didn't have the same like reaction in the same way but i thought it's good matt berry i always like he has just and is the perfect choice for this really yeah he plays laszlo and just has this kind of commanding shakespearean presence yeah but he's actually very like needy and whiny whiny yeah he's great i like the fact that they added a woman in there Mm. that was good and i think also like um, matt berry and natasha dimitri who plays his kind of lover yeah. They have a really interesting interplay throughout yeah, the whole thing. Because she turns him into a vampire yeah. in the first place and like he's obviously obsessed with her and now she can't get away from him because she turned him into a vampire. Yeah. Blah 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 blah. And then you have Kaya Novak as kind of an Ottoman warlord. Yeah, enjoyed him. I enjoyed all of them. I thought yeah. they were all good actors. I like thought the script was very funny. Mm-hmm. It was good. I could I might watch the rest of it. There were some very amusing yeah. bits. I loved the energy vampire. Yes. That was really fu- is that in the film? No. It's the, not, is it? No. That was the funniest thing. I was like, that's very, very clever. So, the, yeah, the, the energy vampire is basically a, a vampire that, instead of feeding on blood, feeds on people's energy by boring them to death. And it's really hilarious. And there's an and ep- all the real vampires are, like, scared of him because yeah. he, you can't eat anyone after their, vamp- their energy has been sucked and stuff. Yeah. And he can suck. He's the only vampire that can, like, feed on other vampires. Mm, and I he can thought. go out during the day. Yeah. He's basically just a boring guy from work, but he's a vampire. Yeah. I don't know. I just thought that was really funny. It's... Especially when he fed off people's energy and then come out and be like, yeah. like a real... I just, that, was, that was the best bit about the whole episode. I also really, really like um, kind of its character's familiar, Guillermo. Yeah, Guillermo is like... Just so top. adorable. He's so cute and he's like desperate to become a vampire. And then he's, oh, he just, yeah. it just doesn't happen for him. There's, there's quite a lot of, like, really sweet scenes throughout the series as, as Guillermo kind of meets other familiars that are really kind of interesting and Aww. really sweet, but also kind of sad. But I think the issue with this is that the whole time you kind of think, oh, I wish I was watching the film. Yeah, I did kind of think that. I was like, maybe the film is somewhere on iPlayer 2. Which <laughs> sad it isn't. Yeah, but I think, it, I bet they'll re-release it for Halloween again. Yes. I'm hoping. Which anyway. I, think, I think if you haven't seen the film, get off, go and watch the film, and then also then watch like Hub for the World of People and the rest of what Taika Waititi has I done. I haven't seen any of his other films. Hub for the World of People is great. And I'm really excited for his new film about a boy in Nazi Germany whose imaginary friend is Hitler, played by Sorry, Taika Waititi. That's Taika Waititi's new film. Is it? It's What's called it Jojo called? Rabbit, and it's about a boy who has an imaginary friend who is Hitler, played by Taika Waititi. God, I don't know how that's going to go down. I don't know, but I think because it's kind of, it's playing into sort of something like, just in the trailer, something akin to something like The Producers. Yeah. So it's very much sort of, it's very Mel Brooksy in its sense of comedy. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's not... It's making them look absurd. Yeah, I just... Yeah. I'm, I can see a lot of backlash from that happening, but maybe I'm wrong. But I think... I think I'm, I 
the trailer doesn't give away very much, so I can't really yeah, yeah, yeah. comment on what film's going to be about, but yeah. I think it looks interesting and I'm excited to see it. Yeah. But with what we do in the shadows also, with the reminding of the TV show, there is a moment in later in the episode where Taika Waititi's character from the film turns up in the TV series. Awesome. Which is okay. amazing. That makes me much uh, happier. Which also has Tilda Swinton in it. I heard Tilda Swinton was in this, and it did make me maybe want to watch more of it. Yeah. She is like basically the perfect character to be yeah. in it. But basically, I just enjoyed it. I just not like... If I'd watched it on its own merits, I would have been like, this is a hilarious new yeah, show. Yeah, exactly. It's great. But because I've already seen the film, I'm less engaged with it. And it does... It does it, that is a shame, because I feel like we are currently living in a very big culture of like remakes and sequels and... Something like this, if it wasn't attached to a previous property, would be so interesting yeah. and so much fun. And also, the annoying thing is, like, it does work on its own. It's just... Yeah, you don't have to have seen the film to yeah, watch yeah. the TV series. And on, honestly, the TV show's, like, it is actually really, really good. Yeah. The actors are all really good. It's very, very funny. I just wish they'd, like, maybe waited a few more years since mm. the original came out. Or, like, I don't know. It just doesn't feel like... It was so necessary to remake yeah. it. Yeah, it's kind of, it's, it's everyone sort of thinking, what will be the next big franchise thing? And I'm just thinking, no. Just That's kind of why I like Taika Waititi's films, is because they're standalone pieces. Well, yes, they're did referential. he do Thor? We did, he did Thor Ragnarok, but also I feel like you can watch Thor Ragnarok without having seen the previous Thor films, because oh, okay. it essentially throws everything from the previous two Thor films out of the window in the first ten minutes. Oh, does it? Okay. So... If, I mean, I think if, if I you, haven't seen any of the four films, so it makes no difference. I would, I would just watch the Ragnarok because also it has Kate Blanchett in it. Yeah. Who we love, love Kate Blanchett. We love, but I saw in one of the worst plays ever last year. So. Yeah, I remember you saying. You know. Eh. It swings and roundabouts. But I think uh, with what we do in the shadows, it's. I think there's an often issue when they transfer something to an American setting, and we're going to talk about this when we talk about your TV oh, okay. later. But I think this is one that works really well. Like, yeah, it does, it because doesn't... it's on Staten Island, it's not like they're trying to make anywhere, they're not like... In Manhattan. In Manhattan, exactly. They're not trying to be like, oh, we're in America, yeah. hello. And also, half the people don't have American accents. Yeah. Which makes it ten times better. To and be it's, and it's if dis- they were in American a- vampires, I'd honestly be like, yeah. And it's distinctly like, dorky. Yeah. And that's the thing with the, with the film, is the film is quite dorky. It feels like it's not set in America, to be honest. I yeah. like, didn't know they were set. If you hadn't... Said it was if they America. hadn't made like a point of saying like we're on Staten Island, yeah, I wouldn't know it was in America because none of them have accents no. really. From... No, they all have kind of the accents that you'd expect them to have. They have vampire accents. Yes. <laughs> well, no, because Matt Berry sounds like Matt Berry. Oh yeah, sorry, yeah, but no, but the rest of them. Well, I mean, I think Kaya Novak's doing like a sort of Turkish accent because he's meant to be sort of this like yeah. Ottoman warlord and Natasha Dimitriou is doing kind of this sort of Eastern European Yeah, classic vampire accent, classic vampire accent. She's I think the only one who's doing a classic vampire accent. Yeah, but do you, you know yeah, what yeah, I yeah. mean in terms I'm of going to suck your blood. Ha 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 ha. Very the count from Sesame Street. Yeah. Um, but no. Enjoyed it. Yeah. Would recommend. Not I can't give it like well we'll see in scores, but I can't give it a high score because mm. I couldn't watch it without thinking of what it could have been. Yeah. Why could have been watching? Yeah. They've shot themselves in the foot here, my friend. Uh, well, they're doing a second series of it, so clearly... Well, they haven't shot themselves in the foot at no. all. They've done very well. <laughs> <laughs> but speaking of American remakes... Yeah, indeed. Uh, what a lovely segue. My TV episode this week is... Episodes. 
episode is an American-British television comedy series created by David Crane and Jeffrey Clarick. Um, and it premiered in 2011, so in America and in Britain. It's about a British husband and wife comedy writing team who then travel to Hollywood to remake their successful British TV series with unexpected results. And that couple are the amazing Tamsin Gregg and Stephen Mangan. And they are... Their new Hollywood version stars Matt LeBlanc, who is played by Matt LeBlanc. So it's all very meta. Um, what were your thoughts, Sam? Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm a bit conflicted on this, if I'm honest. So when you were saying about this in the last episode, sort of saying, like, to watch this, you said it's kind of a show that's kind of fallen by the wayside in terms of British comedy. Yeah. And watching this first episode, I can see why. Yeah. Because I, I think there's a lot of people who, like me, have watched episode one and then have been a bit disappointed. I think the main issue yeah. with episode one is that Matt LeBlanc isn't really in it. Yeah. And that's, the, the and that's what they sell the about, show on. Yeah. And the fact that... I he, remember watching the first episode and being like, hmm, and then I decided to give it another go because mm. I really like Tamsin Greg and Stephen Mangan. And I think so that's I was a like, positive. I'll keep going. Because Tamsin Greg and Stephen Mangan are so good in this and they have a really good, like kind of chemistry dynamic. Yeah. They were in Green Ring together, so they've 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 done shows together. They've, also... Oh my god, they've been in so much stuff together. I know. If you look at their like little I, I honestly I know they're like just friends, but if they were married they'd be my absolute power couple. Power couple of the century. <laughs> I love them both. And there were some really, really good jokes in this. Like when they sort of get offered the gig in the States, they say, Oh no, but like who would like we've missed our friends and then Tams and Greg goes, Who would we miss? And Stephen Mann goes we need better friends. <laughs> and that's, and it's, there were just moments like that throughout it. And I think the audition sequence is really good in the first episode. So Richard Griffiths plays the character that Matt LeBlanc is remaking. Yeah, in the British In the British version. version. And because it's set in a boarding school, a very like British boarding school. So it doesn't necessarily translate very well to an American setting because it's a very kind of British institution. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's funny because it's like, it's very catty, like British style humour. And then tr there's the moment where he suddenly then is asked to do it in an American accent and it doesn't work. It's suddenly then not funny. Yeah. And this has happened in real life so many times with British TV shows. Uh, see the Inbetweeners TV. The IT like... Crowd. Oh, I didn't Yeah, I didn't there is an American the... remake of the oh. IT Crowd with Joe McHale instead of Chris O'Dowd. Why? Yeah, it's bad. It is. I think there was, there was the a The American pilot. Office is like the only thing that they've remade mm. that you've been like genuinely very good and separate. Yeah, because... Because they understood that it was a separate thing. thing. They didn't try and do The Office. Yeah. Um, I well, think... actually, to be fair, they did. They yeah. literally copied it word yeah. for word in the first few episodes. But... I, I don't think... know, awkward... I feel like we both... Both nations understand awkward humour, yeah. but it's like witty versus slapstick is mm. often not translatable. Yeah. And I think I think... So something like, for example, Black Books would not translate to a US version, I don't no, think. No, 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 no. Um, but... Or like Friday Night Dinner. Well, apparently there was planned to be a, an American remake of Friday Night Dinner. And I'm just thinking, no, no. The whole point of that is that... It's so British in yeah. terms of like, them all getting in this little shit car to listen to his jingle on the radio yeah. and stuff like that. Like, or like getting curtains and then everyone being like, they're disgusting. I don't know. I yeah, just don't got, the carpet, any... got the carpet, got the carpet. Yeah. I don't picture any American place. Show being like that. Well, not even show, like houses being like that. Yeah. It's like the locations are so, it's like, oh, you know Girl on the Train? Yes. 
So I haven't read the book, I've only seen the movie. I, I know it, I haven't seen already though. So the book is set in England, as far as I can as far as I'm aware. And the the movie is set in America, even though Emily Blunt is the leading character, which mm. is like confusing on so many levels. But um the reason that the girl on the train works in Britain is because we literally have trains where when they stop you can see into people's backyards because yeah. people's backyards aren't that big like and you can see into their houses yeah. because you go along like a row of very small terraced houses in mm. London specifically and you can see into all of them but the, when they do it in America all the American suburban mm. houses have massive gardens especially because they're supposed to be rich people yeah. massive gardens and then these like tiny windows back there and you're like I'm so if a train stopped there you wouldn't be able to see anything at all so sorry that was just a very specific example I remember seeing it and being like this doesn't work Mm. anymore because your locations are on a different scale from ours Mm. and I think going back to the first episode of episodes yeah I found it really sluggish yeah it was it was kind of leading up to the audition sequence. Yeah. I would have... There's about sort of maybe 15 minutes in the middle of the episode that I could have done without... Or have the first episode be an hour. Combine episode one and two. Yeah. Because, again, you sell the show on having Matt LeBlanc in it. Why is Matt LeBlanc not in the first episode? Really? Also, oh, is that is that assistant in it? No. The first... The blonde one? No. Are you sure? The blonde assistant. Oh, not assistant, but like she's like part of the PR company or no, something. No, 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 she is in it, yeah. Yeah, really annoying voice. Yeah. Yeah, so she becomes like besties with Tamsin Gregg. And part of the reason I love this series in like, not love, but I like, really enjoy the series in later episodes is because her and Tamsin Gregg become this unlikely pair who smoke weed together. And are, like, okay. bitch about men. And that... their bits are very funny because the American lady always has a different view from like Tamsin Gregg and they both mm. feed off each other and it's really nice scenes. But I forgot that in the beginning, obviously, she none of that relationship... Like word yeah, everything. none of it's built up. So you have to wait for that relationship yeah. to build. And then you're like... It's just boring because you're watching two people without friends. Mm. And it's not that interesting to watch two people go to a new country no. and not have anyone to talk to because they can only talk to each exactly. other and then you get bored of them talking and to I each think, other. I think you think kind of, for me recently, great comedy pilots, the first episode of The Good Place uh. sets up what's happening, what's going to happen. Who's there. Who's there. And then by the end of the episode, you just think, what's coming next? Yeah. Because there's this, like, cataclysmic Ariana Grande backing-voiced event with flying prawns. Yeah. And you think, I yeah, I want to see what happens now. And the end of this episode came, and it was all I play sort of queuing up the next episode. I went, I don't really want to watch it. Fair. I... Had no desire, and even so, there's a crawl saying next time, and Matt LeBlanc is in the next episode, and I just yeah. thought I haven't connected. I just think they've really misjudged the first episode, to be honest. Because yeah. I think I do remember the same feeling that we were talking about, and I only carried on because I like the leads. Mm. And I like, the leads are the best bit. This. And because it got loads of, it actually did get lots of critical acclaim. Yeah. So I was like, well, I gotta keep watching it to see what happens, mm. and then I got really into it. Because I think with with. Like the leads, I'm also at the moment because I just wanted something that mindless that I can watch. I've been watching Friday Night Dinner again. Oh, and, what a classic! And I'm like, if I want to watch something Tamsin Gregg in it, just watch that. Yeah, I, fair enough. And I think there are some really good elements in this first episode, and some really solid jokes, and some and a really interesting concept. It just needed either to be a bit quicker paced, yeah, or to have episode one and two as a whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I if wonder that, if it aired one and two at the same time. They might have done. I don't know. I doubt it yeah. because it's not the sort of thing that would have been done around then. 
2011, didn't I think? Well, it's, it's just before streaming starts to become a thing. Oh, I guess. They, I doubt they would have done, in at least with that sort of show, on the BBC, yeah, back to yeah, back. Because, yeah. I, I mean, I think if, if they did it, I get them by more people stuck with it. Yeah. But when I mention to people, oh, what are you watching this week? Oh, uh, watching episodes. Oh, what's that? Yeah, it, it it's has... so unknown. It's so weird. Which is weird because I remember when it came out, everyone was like, oh my God, episodes is so good. Because Matt LeBlanc's in it and yeah. he's very funny as himself, mm. but he keeps sleeping with people and they're like, Matt, please stop. Because, <laughs> put my hands up now, I'm not a Friends fan. That's fucking weird. Because, to be perfectly honest. because the thing, I think I came to Friends a bit too late. I didn't grow up watching it and there were just... How did you not grow up watching it? It was on E4 every day. Because I had other things that I had to do in the evenings. So did I! And I still found time for friends. I just didn't, I just didn't oh, watch it. Uh, and I think I never had that, oh my god, it's Matt, It's Joey You're from You're like friends. the most Ross person I know in my life. Yeah, everyone has said this to me and I'm like, cool. You literally were like, oh, paleontology, oh, rise of the dinosaurs. Dinosaurs are cool. Yeah, okay. thank you. You're literally Ross from Friends. Great. No bearing on what that means. Oh. Okay. Because I, I think also. Okay, just, no, we've got to no. move on. I'm sorry, no. <laughs> That's made me too upset. But you're but not a Friends fan, so you have what. Go on, carry on with what you're going to say before then. So I'm not. I, I didn't have that kind of thought thinking, oh, it's Joey, Joey from Friends. This will be really cool. What I get you to, doing? I get to see him in something that I wasn't expecting, in kind of playing a fictionalised version of himself, which is a really interesting thing. It's funny. The reason I feel like it was exciting to see Matt LeBlanc in this, as a British person anyway. Yeah is that Jennifer Aniston obviously made it big after Friends yeah. in terms of she's in so many movies and like you can mm. have a Jennifer Aniston watch along and like there's so many and then Courtney Cox had uh, what was that called Cougar Town yeah didn't watch it but I know she was in it but Matt LeBlanc I never saw in anything no and and Matthew Perry kind Matthew of Perry, similar had a similar career similar stuff but he was in like 17 again and everyone was like oh my god Matthew Perry yeah it's the reason that it's exciting for Matt LeBlanc to be in this is because mm. it's so uh, for a British person anyway, it was like, oh my god, Matt LeBlanc is old and not old, old, but like... He's older. He's not Joey. Yeah. He is Joey, but we don't know him anything else. Exactly, yeah. But I think... <sighs> I can't believe you missed out on Friends. It's so... How do you not like it? Do you not like it? I, I just... I, it's so easy to watch. I don't I think I think because, I mean, we've talked about kind of how we both watch things, is that you like to watch things while doing stuff. Yeah. Whereas I like to sit down and just watch something, and I think... Would you I, never have anything on in the background? I'd have music on the background, I'd have TV on the background. Oh my god, okay. I think for me, relaxing, if I just kind of flicking over something on, I often just kind of see what films are on. So recently I did that with The Devil Wears Prada. The Devil Wears Prada was just on, I thought, I'm gonna sit and watch The Devil Wears oh, Prada now. yeah, classic. Which is a great film. It, it just often happens sort of... Florals for spring. Groundbreaking. <gasps> <laughs> Great, love that film. Carry on. Written by um, Amy Bosch McKenna, who then did Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Yay! Mm. Um, yeah, I think that, with episodes for me, it's... I didn't have that sort of nostalgia attached to Friends. I didn't have... Like, I love Stephen Mangan and, and Townsend Gregg. I think they're amazing. Um, but I think it just... It just didn't work not having that kind of... Oh my God, Matt LeBlanc's coming! Matt LeBlanc's coming! Because in that first episode I thought, yeah. Oh, he's not in it. Yeah, fair, fair, fair. Despite fair. having some really quite solid jokes in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, let's on move on. to my film. Um, this film I've given you to you purely because I want to talk about this film to someone because no one has seen it. Um, it only recently got released in the UK on Netflix. And I want to know what you thought about The Little Hours. 
Little Hours is a 2017 American medieval black comedy film, because that's a thing, written and directed by Jeff Boehner. It's loosely based on the first and second stories of the third day of the Decameron, a collection of novellas by Giovanni Boccaccio. Boccaccio! Yeah. Did him in my university degree. Woo! Um, and it stars Alison Brie, Dave Franco, Kate Micucci, Aubrey Plaza, John C. Riley, and Molly Shannon, and sort of follows the story of three nuns in a convent when someone comes to seek sanctuary in their convent. And shenanigans ensue, let's put it that way. I saw the trailer for this film back in 2017, because it only just came out in the UK, but it came out in the States a couple of years ago. And I thought, this looks like it could be really funny and really fun. I love Aubrey Plaza, I really like Alison Brie. I was sort of interested, and then I watched it when it came on Netflix, and I just thought, no one else has heard of this film. I just want to talk about this, and so now you've watched it. What did yes, you think? I have. Uh, it, uh, it was weird. It's really weird. It wasn't at all what I expected from the title no. either. I was like, I've never heard of this. And then you said The Little Hours, and I thought it was going to be like either a, not a horror film, but like mm. a creepy film. Yeah. Or like The Little Hours. I don't know. I just thought it'd be something weird. Yeah. Not weird as in like funny, but weird as in... Creepy. Yeah, basically. Creepy or like a drama, yeah. maybe. Yeah, because this the is a little weird film. And it's like close. But this is just like funny weird. It's so baffling in terms of... I was just like, why am I... What's happening? Yeah. I don't really understand where what is going on. Yeah. But I enjoyed it. Also, just been looking up Boccaccio, because I was like, yeah. what do I remember about him? This is a great quote from Boccaccio. While farmers generally allow one rooster for ten hens, ten men are scarcely sufficient to service one woman. Boccaccio, you little dog. Yeah. I love that. I'm going to have that printed out and put my wall, but I'm going to have that work. as a back tattoo. It's so good. Yeah. Anyway, um, this film. The film is kind of on that kind of it, theme that yeah. like women are rapacious yeah. sexual animals. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed it. Um, Very enjoyed it. Yeah, and there was some, I think it's got some quite funny moments. I think especially with the three main nuns who are Alison Brie, Kate Micucci, and Aubrey Plaza. Yeah, and I really like Aubrey Plaza, and I love Alison Brie because she's in Community. Yes. It's like one of my favorite shows of all time. So, and then Kate Micucci. It's just in a lot of yeah. stuff. I'm like, she, uh, she just pops up. Yeah, I feel bad, but she's very take it or leave it for me. I don't mm. find her particularly funny I, in and of herself. I think I think she, given the right script, I think she's very funny. I think this is a, it's a good script for her. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think she, as in, I think she's good in the film. Yeah. I just personally, I'm not. If she was in a film, I wouldn't be like, oh yes, yes. I want to see that. Yeah. But yeah, it was enjoyable. I also like the fact that Alison Brie and Dave Franco are in it and they're married, and that like makes oh. me happy because they get to have sex in the film, and I was like, cute guys, nice. like that must be really nice for yeah. you. But this is this is um. So you think, oh, it's about nuns. This will be this will This is not a like a cute sound of music nuns film. Oh no, fuck off. No, there's, there's like, rituals. Oh, the weirdest scene is probably at the beginning. I say all of it's weird. I take that back. It's but the, one of the weirdest scenes that I was like, oh, this is a weird film is when all three nuns are like just hanging around. All of them are American and you're like, America wasn't a thing then, but okay. All of them are American and then they come across this guy like planting turnips and they just turn on him yeah. and they shut turnips up and they're like, you're a fucking dick! Why are you planting turnips? Yeah. Ah! I had to rewind to check I hadn't missed something and then I was like, oh no, no it's just this uh, is, this is where psychotic. We okay. Um, and there's, so basically Dave Franco's character comes to the nunnery to seek sanctuary because he has been sleeping with Nick Offman, who's like the local lord's wife. Yeah. Um, and there's just a great scene where Nick Offman's on a battlements and Dave Franco's running away and she just goes, 
bring me his balls in yeah. that kind of great Nick Offerman Ron Swanson voice. I also liked Nick Offerman. Who plays his wife? Actually, I should know that. I can't um, remember. I'm gonna look it up. But Nick Offerman is married to this woman. To Megan Mullally. Is that? Yeah, who who plays Tammy too in Parks and Recreation? Yes. Okay, good. That's why I wanted. Okay, yes. so he they're married, and then Nick Offerman's they're like sitting down at a table, obviously in medieval times, and Nick Offerman's like women should be seen and not hurt. Oh, he says something like really misogynistic and she's just like, are you serious? Yeah. Are we really going to go here again? Mm. Like, she just repeat, you think they're now going into like classic medieval territory and then she's just like, no. Completely normal and that's amusing. Because I, th- I th- And then Nick Offerman's like, oh, do you need to be punished? And you're like, oh, this is the sex game. Okay. Great. Hello. <laughs> and it, it it does have these kind of pivot turns suddenly into just, wait, what the fuck is going on here? Like, there's a random bit with a turtle. Like, towards the end. Oh, yeah, that was weird. Yeah. You've got I about assume the that was the, like, escape plan. Possibly. I assume the nuns did that. I think so, but it's never fully explained. Yeah. This is one of those ones I went away from being like, that was weird. Yeah. It was quite good, but it was very weird. I did enjoy it. I, I was never see... like annoyed to be going back to it because no. I watched it over a little. I didn't watch it in whole because yeah. I watched it at work, so I had to stop. <laughs> at odd points. Not a good film to watch at work, really. No, I had to keep putting like other tabs over it when it got to the sexy bits. Like, no. No, no one needs to be looking over my shoulder as I watch sex as I'm doing my work. Yeah. No, thank you. It's just such a weird one, but then it's it's funny in places. I think the bit... It's very funny. If it wasn't funny, I wouldn't have watched it. I would yeah. watch it. Um, and there's quite like a sort of... Amid all the sex and satanic rituals and Aubrey Plaza being Aubrey Plaza... Um, who... Yeah, oh my god, they literally were like, okay, so what if we take this girl from Parts of Recreation and we make her a nun in the 12th century? Yeah. Someone was like, I love it. <laughs> I mean, that's it. I agree with this idea. Because um, I think then there's a really sweet storyline as well between Molly Shannon's like Mother Superior oh, and John C. Riley's character, yeah. who's kind of like the local priest who then has to like go away. And it's it's really sweet. It's one of the, It's one of the moments that it's not very weird. It's just kind of heartfelt and nice. Yeah. Um, I got a little bit bored in the middle of this. Yes, it does dip. Because, like, all the jokes are basically the same or similar. Yeah. And there was just a succession of people having sex with Dave Franco, which I think Dave Franco is so hot, but, like, equally don't need to equally, see that over and over again. We make it a montage. Yeah. I just got a bit bored. I was like, can we not just shove all of this into one? Like, yeah. why have you tried to stretch it out? I almost would have preferred it if this was like a what we do in the shadows like mockumentary or more or kind of no awkward. just like TV series because yeah. then I could have watched a few half hours of like first of all they get angry at the turnip man and then like yeah. this guy like do you know what I mean that would have been quite fun and I wouldn't have got bored mm. but as it was I was like okay yeah. what's gonna happen because it's, it's hurry uh, up just going briefly back to Aubrey Clark in the song because it does feel like April Ludgate as a nun yeah but then there were moments where she doesn't do a very kind of April-y thing. It's it's the the moments when she's with like Kate McCoochie and Alison Brie, it's very much kind of like sisters, yeah. yeah. But also we're all dicks. Yeah, um, I do enjoy that. And I, there's I mean there's a film called Ingrid Goes West, which Aubrey Plaza is in, that everyone says she's amazing in. I haven't seen it oh, yet. I have seen it. And I don't actually think it's been released in the UK yet. It's one of those uh, that gets okay. released in the US. We might get it on Netflix three years down the line. Classic. Because reasons. Yeah, I think I'm. I'm glad you didn't hate this because oh, I. Oh no, I had a good you, time watching. I gave it to you thinking you might think this is too weird for its own good, 
And mm, I do also kind I of think that. I quite like, like a lot it. of weird stuff. True. Like, I would rather weird humour, like, it's not Monty Python-esque, but no. weird humour in the similar kind of like, oh, mm. I don't know a fucking clue what's going on yes. here. I would almost I rather that it's than full like, of eels. your classic, like, buddham yeah. humour. No, I enjoyed it. It was alright. Yay. Yay. Right, on to my film, Woo-hoo. which this week is... Isn't it romantic? Romantic is a 2019 American satirical fantasy romantic comedy film. Oh my god, so many So genres. many, like the films Fuck this week have so many genres. Um, directed by Todd Strauss-Schulzen and written by Erin Cardillo, Dana Fox and Katie Silberman. Oh my god, holler at the female writers. The film stars Robin Wilson as a woman who hates romantic comedies and then finds herself in a world where everything is a stereotypical romantic comedy. And she's playing alongside Liam Hemsworth, Adam Devine, and Priyanka Chopra. I said it was Chris Hemsworth last time. I yeah. did a whole thing about how cool he was in comedy. Yeah. That shows how much I remember this movie. <laughs> but it was good. What did you think, Sam? I think it's really interesting, this film. Because there were a couple of bits of this film that I, I thought were quite good. Putting it out there, this is Rebel Wilson's best performance. I think it was like made for her. This yeah, film. I think I think she is perfectly cast in this film. She finally is allowed to have an Australian accent because she's Australian yeah. rather than just because it's mm. like unexplained. Although Jennifer Saunders plays her mum and does a terrible Australian yeah, accent, which I love as well. It's uh, it baffles me. I love that they were like we could have hired an Australian yeah. accent, but, but we Saunders. love Jennifer Saunders. So. Which, I mean, don't we all? Yeah, fair um, And there are a couple of like pretty solid jokes in this, like the nine one one call. Where she gets into the romantic comedy world, she opens her apartment, she calls up 911. Hi, all of my things are gone, my apartment's bigger, and I've now got loads and loads of shoes. And the 911 operator's like, You what? Why? No. <laughs> Go away. And the, and the kind of, because it's sort of PG 13, which is a thing that The Good Place does not as good as The Good Place, where all the swearing censored by like beeps and whirs and like someone's phone ringing. Yeah. Um, which is like as, a, a cliche joke, but yeah. it's still funny. Um, and, this, and the sex one's really the funny. The sex well. one is funny, which I mentioned last time, which is where she keeps trying to have sex with someone, and then every time she does... It cuts It cuts to the, to next, the morning. next morning. And she's like, for fuck's sake. Yeah. Well, she's not like, for fuck's sake. She's like, for fuck's sake. Like, um, okay, and then there's just a lot of issues. So the first one is, I think I've mentioned this earlier in the podcast, where we've, sort of in earlier episodes... I've said that my favourite rom-com is Pretty Woman. Oh, I didn't know. Well, maybe you did, but I clearly wasn't paying attention. I didn't Great. know that. Cool. Awesome. Because I think the chemistry between Rich Gere and Judy Roberts is so good in that film. The script's really good. The montage sequences aren't annoyingly montage it, It's It's great. This Isn't It Romantic opens with Rebel Wilson watching Pretty Woman and with Pretty Woman the song playing. Pretty Woman. Pretty Woman. And then... It keeps referencing Pretty Woman, and I'm like, I get it. You're meant to be in a stereotypical romantic comedy. Yeah. Please stop reminding me of a film that's a million times better than this. Which... Yeah, because it is a bit. They know that yeah. Pretty Woman is a million times better. I don't think this film is ever trying no, to no. be like a new rom com for the ages. No. But the whole the whole thing is this film is sold on it being a kind of pastiche of romantic comedies. Yeah. The issue is the second half of this film is a stereotypical romantic comedy yeah. without the fun. And it stops making fun of them, which I think it just kind of ran out of legs in a way. Yeah, because there's not much else you could... Well, you can't just watch it, take the piss, and then be like, ah, and we're back. 
yeah, it had to kind of round itself round, but it's a very clear delineating line where it becomes a, just a rom-com. Yeah. And... <sighs> but as a person who quite likes rom-coms, I was like, if we're going to end... Like, it's going to have to end some way. That yeah. would be my preferred way, and to the, be honest. And the premise is really interesting. It's just... It just took a real sort of sharp drop in quality for me towards the second half. With the exception of the I Gotta Dance With Somebody sequence, which is great. Yeah. A lot of fun. It's kind uh, of a stereotypical, yeah. I'm in a rom-com, uh, now everyone's going to start singing and dancing. Yeah. And it's great. But I just, yeah, I just got really bored towards the end. No, I do see that. Like, it's not that interesting towards the end because the premise is gone. Yeah. So, like, yeah. And it just gets sort of really bogged down in it. And it doesn't kind of stick the landing towards the end. There's a wrap-up scene that uh, towards the end of the film that tries to kind of bring the message of the film full circle with the whole thing and it feels really forced and I didn't really like that scene very much. Um, it's a it's a brainless film. You do yeah. not have to pay attention while watching this exactly. film. Exactly. Um, I think the... There's a big thing made at the opening about kind of how in a stereotypical rom-com the female lead has no female friends at work or has a work enemy. Yeah. So, I mean, not really a rom-com, but Emily Blunt's character in The Devil Wears Prada. Yeah. That kind of character. And the best friend before it becomes a stereotypical romantic comedy in Isn't It Romantic is kind of she and Rebel Wilson, like, work besties. Woo! And then she appears in the romantic comedy sort of dream sequence bit of the film for about two seconds and they played that angle up a lot and I thought this is clearly a bit that was in the film that has been dropped and you need to just sort of be like oh she's here and it felt a bit of a throwaway. Yeah I would have liked more on that. More yeah more on that I think I wanted I, honestly this film is an hour and a half it's quite a short film I wouldn't have minded if it was a little bit longer and it had actually kind of gone into stuff a bit more. But the trouble is like uh, once she's in the stereotypical romantic comedy, yeah, there are only a few ways it can possibly end. Yeah, because how are you gonna like make it all funny and like laugh for a lot and stuff, and then be like, and then she goes back to her normal life and it's shit. Yeah, like that would be rubbish. No one wants to see that. No, and, and I think I think I, it has to end like it ends. It, it has to end like it ends, but I just think the ending was done poorly. Yeah, I think it it kind of lost sight of the reason that it was an interesting film, and there were still like jokes peppered throughout the second half like there's yeah. a really great like dick joke where they're kind of like sort of saying about obviously because there's a whole sex joke yeah, earlier yeah. in the film and it's just like I could stay with him and like and his beautiful face and there's lots of money and his massive penis and like I thought you didn't have sex well I just caught a glimpse when he was in the bathroom <laughs> and it's kind of sort of it's clearly still Rebel Wilson from the earlier section of the film yeah it's stuck in this rom-com world I just kind of I got really bored, if I'm honest. I think also the problem is that, like, a rom-com world is just really good. Yeah. Like, as in, if you're the heroine of a rom-com, it's going to be great for you. Yeah. So even if you hate rom-coms watching them, mm. no one would be chucked into one and be like, oh, no. I'm in a rom-com. This is terrible. A really hot guy is really interested in me and taking me on a romantic date. beautiful days apartment. And loves me loads. And I would be for apartment and all my clothes are amazing. So. Oh, you're never going to be yeah. cross. Like, just make a female friend. It's not that hard. And then you'll be fine. Yeah. People have female friends in romantic comedies now. Like, it'll be fine. Yeah, it just... Yeah, it was... It was... It had some good bits, but... If someone said to me, should I watch this? I said, if you like rom-coms, you'll get a lot out of it. I think if you... 
hate rom-coms, you'll hate this film, Burning Passion. Have you watched a, the Amy Poehler, Paul Rudd film that takes a piss out of rom-coms? No. Okay, that is 100% going on the list. It's so good. I haven't. You'll prefer it a lot more. It's like very, very over the top. Okay. Stupid, like, the whole thing is just taking the piss out of. It's about a couple who are like, and how did you meet? At, over like a dinner. So it's Paul Rudd and Amy Poehler, and they're like with Bill Hader and um, the woman from Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, can't remember her name. Uh, Ellie Kemper. Ellie Kemper. And they're like, and how did you guys meet? And they, they're like, oh, so. And then they tell the most stereotypical, like, and then they're in a bookshop at one point and they bump into each uh... other. And he's like, he's like, I'm just looking for a fiction book. And she's like, you like fiction books? I like fiction <laughs> And then they have this moment and you're like... Yeah, because that's the thing. Is I think that, isn't it romantic? Just didn't quite go far enough. Yeah. And I, I either wanted to, to like deconstruct the rom-com more mm-hmm. and be a little bit longer and a bit more in-depth or to just be stupider. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. Okay, it, I'm going to recommend you this other book. <laughs> it didn't really do either. What is this other one called? I'm just finding it now. I'm really worried you'll have watched it and not liked it because I feel like you will I like definitely it. haven't seen it. Okay, awesome. It's hilarious. They came together. Uh, a funny title as well. Yeah. Ah. I know. Have not seen that. Okay, that's going straight. It's from two thousand fourteen. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's like, it's just really silly. Like he plays basketball with all of his friends while he talks about girl problems, but all of them are like, "Ah, good shot," and none of them are making any of the baskets. But they like uh, okay. keep throwing them, and he's like, "As your stereotypical Asian friend, what I'd have to recommend is," and then he like recommends something, and the other guy's like. I just like getting laid all the time, so I reckon you should just do that. Like all of his friends, uh, okay. got, like everything is way over the top. Okay, that sounds. We'll put that on the list. On the list, but it's time I think we go now to scores on the doors. So what we do in the shadows? I gave it seven and a half. I gave it seven. Yeah. If it had been a standalone thing, a standalone thing, I would have given it more, but I can't. Yeah. I think if it had been a standalone thing, I probably would have given it 8.59. Whoa. But because it it constantly reminded me of the original, seven and a half. Yeah, fair, fair, fair. Um, okay, episodes. I gave this a seven because I think I am basically judging on the whole, like, mm. four series that I yeah. watched. It's still not my favourite. I probably won't go back and watch it again, no. but I did enjoy it. Whereas I think because I'm basing on episode one, I gave it a five and a half. Fair enough. Like, I'm not mad about that. Yeah, The Little Hours, I gave it six and a half, six point five. I gave it a six because I don't regret watching it, but also it's not a top quality film, is it? It isn't, no. Well, let's be honest. Um, And Isn't It Romantic, I gave a five because it's actually not that good, but I still enjoy it. I enjoyed the first half. I got really bored in the second half, so I gave it four. Yeah, fair. I'm not, again, not mad about it. And I don't think there's going to be much change to the leaderboard. I mean, we have... Isn't It Romantic is now our fourth lowest film. Whoa. So it's just, just scraping out of the bottom three. The Aww. zone of shame. But I also, I also think looking at the other things that are there in, on that level, I don't, I don't think it, it's not warranted. I get why it's there. Yeah. Fair for fair. Fair for fair. Fair. Is everything else the same? Everything else is the same. We haven't really had much change on... The old leaderboard? The leaderboard. The no leaderboard. problem then. Okay, so what are we doing next week? So next week... You gave me a Stephen Mangan comedy. Now I'm going to give you a Stephen Mangan comedy. Oh no, I thought I'd have seen all of the Stephen Mangan comedies. Clearly not. So I would like you to watch Hangouts, which is about a kind of online therapist 
and it's all told through the screens of his oh family. God. Okay, no, I have seen, as in I haven't seen it, but I've seen trailers for this. I'm yeah. actually really excited now. I'm yeah, really uh, it's got Catherine Parkinson in it, and so I awesome. watched it on the recommendation of my friend, and I Amazing. enjoyed it a lot. Yay. Um, I'm going to recommend you um, Love Island. God, kill me, please. Because I know how much you'll hate it, and that <laughs> makes me happy. It just it just looks Yay. like televisualised chlamydia. I'm sorry. It's so good. So, what, You're going to watch series three, which is the series that everyone got into it in. Is that the most recent one? No, or? no, no. That was, I have to say, that was series five that we oh, always Jesus. watched. Series three is from, it was from our final year of uni. Oh, okay, so 2007. I started watching it literally because I went out with some people and then went back to their house afterwards and they were like, this is great, like, late night watching. And we all watched Love Island okay. while eating chips. I would recommend it in that okay. setting. It was quite fun. Right. Um, I'm going to have to recommend you episode one, even though obviously the, episode yeah. one is not the best TV. episode because it's reality TV, but you can't start anywhere else. No. But, yeah. Enjoy! I'm dreading Lip watching this. Hearing your thoughts. Um, I'm going to give you quite a niche film to watch this week. Oh, not like The Little Hours, am I right? No, even more niche because that at least had people that you've heard of in it. This has, I think, possibly one actor who you've heard of, which okay. is Kenneth Branagh. Okay, I've definitely heard of him. Yes, but everyone else, and he's not even in this film very much, I would like you to watch Rabbit Proof Fence. Okay. Which is about three... It's about a really interesting, actually, period of history that we don't learn about in school. It's about Australia in like the 1930s. Okay. And sort of about three Aboriginal girls kind of going across Australia. Okay. It's it's a film that I just remember watching because it was, like you were saying earlier, it was just on TV and I just watched it and I thought, this is a really beautiful and heartfelt film and I just want to know, well, I want to know what you think. Okay. Because again, I want to talk about this film with someone. Awesome. And I'm going to recommend you um, another Netflix documentary which has a what the fuck moment, which is called Abducted in Plain Sight. And it's about a girl who gets abducted when she's like... In Plain Sight? In Plain Sight. In, when she's like... Oh, I can't remember, 10 or 11. Okay. But you know she's okay because she does interviews. Okay, I'm not cool. spoiling anything. Like, as in she literally does interviews the camera as an adult and you're like, okay. This... So it's actually quite relaxing because even though like obviously horrible things happen to her and you feel yeah. really sorry for her, you're also a bit like... Oh well. Everything will be fine. She survived. Yay. But it's literally full of... You just want to be like, what the fuck is happening here? Okay. And I love that. I'm looking forward to it. Yay. Okay, awesome. Thank you for listening this week. Uh, if you want to find out more, you can find us on Instagram at Please Don't Make Me Watch. Find us on Twitter at Don't Make Me Watch. You can email us at Please Don't Make Me Watch at gmail.com. If and you have any recommendations, we would love to hear them. Yes. And if also if you have recommendations for special episodes, TV times or cinema corners, please get in touch. Or yeah. just any questions for us. Yeah. Ask away. We are available on Spotify, iTunes, Podbean, Google Play, and many fine vendors of other podcasts. Yeah. So, see you next time. Bye.